Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. Today I'm speaking with Ali Raja, who is a personal and professional development coach based in Dubai. She was in the corporate world initially, so she knows all about what it's like, but she's also gone out into business for herself. She's here to discuss how to help us deal with a tough workplace, set boundaries, start our day right, and start to learn to talk to ourselves in a way that can support success and those dreams we have about doing more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi there, how are you doing? Hi, I'm Marie. I'm great, thank you. How are you doing today? Really good, really good. I have to ask you how you got into this line of work. For sure. So, I mean, so my background is very different to what I do now. You know, I studied biomedical science. I then went on to do my master's in public health. This is back in the UK. And I started my career in public health. So I really just saw myself, you know, working up, uh, working up the career ladder in that area. and. To be really honest, uh, at the age of 24, I landed my dream job. So you can imagine, right? I studied for this. I got my dream job at that age. And but the reality was, you know, when I when I got into it, I just I thought, is this it? You know, is this is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? And I think it's a bit of a shame to say that. But I think, you know, we can kind of um, put a, a certain job on a pedestal. But then you get there. And especially when you work for such a big organization, you can feel like, you know, you're, you have so many more skills, so many more values. That's what I felt like, but I wasn't tapping into that. And so I just felt like there was so much more that I wanted to do. I just didn't know exactly what that was. Um, and so for me, I've just always been interested in, you know, human behavior in psychology, how the mind works. So really just for my own kind of knowledge and my, just to understand for myself, I just decided to explore coaching. I saw a coaching course. I was like, wow, this looks really cool. I want to learn. So I undertook the coaching training. And then after that, I did NLP. And really just from doing the training, I was like, wow, I really love this. This is something I enjoy and I love. And wow, this is actually something that I could do. I could actually make a living from this. So when I found that out, I was still working full time. And then I started the business on the side. So I started working with clients. I started putting my name out there on the side um, and kind of building it, building it until they got to a point where I said, you know what, I just want to go in full time. So I said to myself, I'm going to give myself six months. If it doesn't work, I'm just going to go back to my career. And the rest is history after that, really. You always hear people say that it's so scary to leave, but I, you can always go back. Just get, if it doesn't work out, get a job. I love that. I love that. It's there. I mean, you got a job to start. So why not try what you want, you know, before you make that leap? Absolutely. I just felt like I had that fire in me and work was taking up a lot of time. It was kind of hard to juggle the two. And I just felt like, let me at least give it a chance. And as you said, if it doesn't work out, I can go back. But it would be such a shame for me to have not at least have even tried. So, uh, yeah. And I think it's it's what you put in. If you feel like, okay, I can do this, I can make it work. You'll you'll find ways. Okay, you talked about NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and how, how that works for you? 
Absolutely. So NLP is very much about the language that we use. It's about how our mind works. It's about looking at our behaviors. So the way I use NLP in my coaching is very much looking at when I work one-on-one with my clients is what is the language that they're using? What are the stories that they're telling themselves? And most of the time when we're talking, when we're talking to ourselves and we're speaking out loud, you know, we speak so casually. We just say, oh, you know what? I'm really stupid. I'm really lazy. I'm really overwhelmed. I hate my job. You know, we just say things like so casually, but we're not really aware of the impact that those words are having on us, on the way we feel, on the way that we behave. So with NRP, it's very much looking at, okay, well, what are the stories that I'm telling myself? How, what is the language that I'm using and how is that impacting me? Mm-hmm. So that's really much how I use NLP in my coaching to get people to understand like what's going on. And then we start to frame them. We start to reshift them, reframe them into, well, if those are the stories that you're telling yourself and that's the reality you're creating, if you want to create a different reality, what can you start telling yourself instead and working that way? Okay. Is it as it's simple as, you know, oh, I'm such a procrastinator. I can never get anything done to switching to like, I'm a person of action. I'm, I, I do things, that kind of thing. I mean, ideally it would be great if it was, you know, just that easy, that yeah. switch. But I, but I think awareness and, and knowledge is power. Yeah. So if you're not really aware of how much you're, what, what you're saying, you're not aware of what it's then doing. So for example, Let's say you're saying, oh, I'm a big procrastinator. Oh, I don't get anything done. I never meet deadlines. It isn't just one belief that you're having. That will then trickle onto another thought, which is, yeah, there's no point in doing it. We trickle onto the next sort of, yeah, I might as well just give up. You know, it just kind of starts to get bigger and bigger and and, uh, turn into another thought. So when you start to have awareness of the thoughts that's when you can say, hey, 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 you can actually stop it in that moment. Mm-hmm. So rather than letting it kind of get, um, get bigger and continue that thought pattern, you can start to change it. And that's that's when you're empowered. Okay. So, and again, from awareness, that's when you can start, yeah, changing your behavior. Okay, so you can start noticing. Course, Sorry? So, uh, yeah, you can start noticing. And of course, it takes practice. You know, it's like anything. I always compare it to going to the gym. It's not like you go to the gym once, do five squats, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> it's done now. You know, it's, it's repetitive and it's continuous. And, you know, there's, there's um, studies by the Human Science Foundation showing that 80% of our thoughts are negative and 95% of those are repetitive. Mm. So not only have a majority of them negative, but they're also repetitive. So we're, they're just continuously on repeat in our mind. Mm-hmm. So we've got to start becoming aware of them. And then when you become aware of them, you get to decide to, to, to change that. I heard recently a psychiatrist say that you should sort of, na- it works to name that, that entity that's giving you those negative thoughts. Like that's an actual, treat it like an actual other person. <laughs> have you ever thought about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's almost like you can think of it as an intruder. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it happens to all of us. I mean, I've been doing this for years, but that doesn't mean to say that, you know, I don't find myself getting caught up in, you know, all these racing thoughts or feeling anxious at times or, feeling, you know, getting these kind of thoughts that aren't good for me in my head. But that's the difference is that you can then start to see it as something that's entered your mind. It's not something that's in there and it's festering. It's kind of like an intruder and it's come in and then you can say, okay, you know what? I've noticed this now. Give it a name. You could even put it in like a balloon, for example. I like to even put it in a balloon and kind of like set it free. Do you find there's a time with your clients where these thoughts become more prevalent or come back if they've been doing well with, with sort of having them? Or do you always have them and you just 
acknowledge them and live with them? I think, I mean, with anything in life, you know, we're going to have challenging times in our lives. We, we can't change that. You know, we're not aware of what life throws at us, what's going to come our way. And let's say, you know, we move to a new country, we get a new job, we're in a new social setting. That's always new. You know, we're out of our comfort zone. Uh, we've gone through a breakup, for example. So we're going to find ourselves in difficult situations where this might occur. But these are tools. This is essentially tools. So yes, you might find yourself again getting stuck into certain um, behaviors where you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm ruminating now. I'm, I'm starting to think this about myself. But you, you, you now have the tools, and you, you, you've, you've, how to put it? So, for example, some of my clients, they, a lot of them, they say to me, you know what? In the past, this would have like something at work's happened, and they get, you know, triggered by maybe a colleague of theirs has said something, a boss. In the past, they would have gotten so angry. You know, it would have stayed with them the whole day. They would have gone home that night. Not even that night. They would be thinking about it for a week. Mm-hmm. It would have been on their mind. But they now say, you know what? I go. I went home and I just decided I was okay with it. I was able to let it go. And that realization for them is huge because it could have been a bit of a feedback or maybe it was a bit negative and it would have, you know, gone inside them. They would have think, thought, I'm not, I'm a failure. Or I'm not good enough but they were able to, to put that aside. And that is huge. I think even just to have that realization and that realization that I can do that. Yeah. And then you, for the next time it happens, you know, you realize that you can choose differently. Okay, so this is a big problem in the workplace where we're working with all kinds of personalities. How do you work with clients to sort of set boundaries and do this kind of thing? Like deal with the egregious things that can happen just in the regular course of a work day. Yeah. Yeah. This comes up a lot. I mean, so for example, yeah, setting boundaries. Um, and I think first of all, you know, something you get asked, I get asked for example is, you know, what stops us from having better boundaries in the workplace? And I think the answer to that is first of all, it's not having an understanding or, or thinking about, well, what, what are my boundaries in the first place? You've actually, if you haven't had that conversation with yourself, you won't really know what's acceptable and what isn't. So it's very important for you as an individual to think about, well, when I'm at work, what is okay for me and what is not? Mm -hmm. So for example, am I okay with being contacted, you know, late in the evening and expected to reply? Am I expect, am I okay with being contacted on the weekend? You know, am I okay with being spoken to in a condescending way, for example? So this is the first step, you know, if we want to, before thinking, how do I deal with it? We've got to actually think, well, well what is okay and what isn't? Because if you, if you don't have awareness of that, you haven't tapped into that and thought about it, you're going to accept it. So really that's the first thing is, is, is knowing what, what, what your boundaries are. And then second, once, once you know that, secondly, once you're aware of, of what your boundaries are, then you'll start to, it's about then communicating that. So, of course, in the workplace, one of the biggest challenges is, of course, dealing with so many different personalities, right? And this is never easy around so many different people, so many different opinions, mm-hmm. so many styles of working. Mm-hmm. And that really does, you know, stretch you a lot. And I think this is where emotional intelligence is very important as well. It's about understanding, well, how do I, how do I communicate with differently with different people? So how can I most effectively communicate with this person and this person to bring out the best result? 
So I think it's very important to, for you to be able to communicate that. And again, you can do it and people often think, well, if I communicate that I'm going to be aggressive or it's going to come across rude, but absolutely not. You know, if you do it in a style that's very much about doing it in a way that's um, kind of in a calm way, in a composed way, doing it in a way that, you know, that has empathy that understands where the other person is coming from but tries to find a middle ground you can definitely have you know a really good middle ground conversation so definitely communicating is is very very important what's your advice to deal with you know there's always that kind of bully person or a person that just kind of seems to have it out for you I've had these people near me wherever I have sat whether I've been in management or whether they've been my colleague and it's like it's like you're chit-chatting at work and then they're the kind of person that just picks something and uses it against you or you know what kind of person I'm talking about? Just that bully. I don't know what, they're just the person that will, they're the person you'll stew about all weekend. How do you deal with them? <laughs> yeah, I've dealt with them myself in the workplace. So I very much, uh, I know what you're talking about and it's, it's, it's a horrible experience. It really is. Um, and it, it can really consume you as well. I remember, yeah, you could end up taking it home with you, you know, talking to your family, your partner, your friends about it, bringing it into the weekend with you. Um, so yeah, a few things with that. I think, you know, first of all, it's, I think first, if, if you can try and limit the time that you spend with them, if possible, and I know it's not always easy, but find a way if you can. So there might be some interactions maybe at lunchtime or kind of in between meetings or chatting, just if you can kind of step away, you don't have to engage with them in that time, then that's the first, first start. The second one is, is actually communicate with them. And yeah, I actually did this myself and uh, it actually got to a point where I spoke to the person and I had a conversation and said, this is, this is bothering me. You know, you say this, um, you've been saying this way, you've been saying these things about me actually as well, because it was about me. And I just want to understand why. Okay. And of course, it's never an easy conversation to have. But again, this is these are the kind of things that are important in the workplace. You're dealing with so many personalities because there's got to be an end to it. Because you know, if it's if there isn't some kind of end, it's going to keep continuing. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. Actually, being able to speak to them and ask them, I think even just confronting them, it kind of puts them in an embarrassing situation as well because they're you know suddenly being confronted and they've you know been caught. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing, having a conversation. Um, I think another thing as well is, and I guess I didn't really, I didn't do this at the time when I was working, this was you know, about five, six years ago. I think being, having more, making your out of work time more of a priority. So when I say that, I mean, being very intentional about having a lot outside of work. So like hobbies, you know, sports, you know, fitness, things that make you feel good because otherwise the work is going to take over. So it's very important for you to then just be able to distinguish, okay, that's my work. And this is my, you know, personal time. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, I think if it gets to, if, it, if nothing changes, then it is important to escalate it. Um, and, and take it further with someone because you, at the end of the day, your mental well-being is so important. And it's a question to ask yourself as well: is that is this how, what impact is this having on my mental health right now, on my physical health? Because a lot of the time, when you have bullies in the workplace, yeah. it's affecting your mental physical health. Yeah. And then you've got to ask yourself: is this worth me taking action? And then that's when when you have to, unfortunately. And if you have to escalate it, then you should. Yeah, that happened to me once. Where well, first of all, I've heard almost every situation had 
the solution begins after a difficult conversation, which you don't want to have, right? So it's a difficult conversation to speak to someone who's bothering you. But I had that years ago when I was working in Canada and I, and it didn't work and it didn't work. And eventually I went to my boss and I said, I sit right beside this person. It's like affecting my mental health. And his initial reaction was, it's not about you. And, you know, we like, and I said, I know it's not, if this person had gone through a really hard time, but he said, it's not about you. I said, I know it's not about me, but it's affecting me every minute of the day because I have to sit beside them. And, and I just sat there and uh, he wasn't happy about it. And he said, well, I was thinking of moving around the, the newsroom. So maybe I could move you away. And I thought that was just, that's all it took was to just be like a, a little bit across the room. Um, and I thought, so that's even a small example of just creating some distance, but it's, it's hard, right? Because even your boss, if you go to your, if you escalate it, your boss doesn't want to deal with it a lot of the time, right? They like, that's the real reality. <laughs> I think that's what makes it so much harder as well, is that it's your environment. You know, you could be doing the work, you could be, you know, really good at what you do, but if the environment isn't allowing you to thrive, then it's really mm. going to, you know that and of course you would expect your manager to have your back and always do something about it but like you said it's just extra work for them it puts them in a certain situation can affect their relationships and sometimes they just want to wash their hands of it so yeah it's not always it's not as easy so boundaries too about your time like I've been a boss I've also been a really people-pleasing worker so I'm I'm both of those things like I've been a so I know how I can take advantage of people who are people pleasers and I've been a people pleaser, if that makes sense. Like I know how easy it is to do that. I had a, an editor when I was in Canada and he said, you're no one would ever say this now, but he said, you're my go-to gal. <laughs> but all that, all that meant is that I was the one who got asked to do everything. Cause I wouldn't say no. And yes, I got great opportunities because of it, but I'm not sure it was so good for me. But then when I became an editor, what did I do? I would lean on the people who didn't have boundaries because that's who you can go to. So there was one guy that I worked with and he had great boundaries. He set them almost wordlessly, you know, and I just wondered if you could sort of talk about that, how you can do it without being, uh, I'm not accepting calls after six o'clock, you know, there's, a, if there's a way to do it, that's more gently. And yeah. And it's really interesting what you said about you would end up giving the work to the people who didn't have boundaries. And, and this is, is exactly it. You know, it's like, if you don't, people other people will set your boundaries you know if you don't decide how you want to be treated and what's okay for you other people will make that decision mm -hmm. for you mm -hmm. so and 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 the, and the kind of the thing that sucks about this is that those the same people if you don't have boundaries you just end up constantly saying you know this person doesn't respect my time they're always messaging me on weekends they always you know want more of me they're giving me more work than other people but it's not a coincidence you know there's a reason why you're always that person mm -hmm. so Again, first of all, it comes down to knowing, like, what is okay for me? Is it acceptable? Am I okay with being contacted on the weekend? Because if really you're accepting it, then that's what's going to continuously happen. So, you know, first of all, being, you know, being aware of that. And then I, th I think people always find it hard. I, I see this a lot with my clients when we talk about setting boundaries, like family comes up a lot, family, you know, friends, um, you know, family just expecting you to always be available or friends, you know, always come out. But the, one of the reasons why people find it so hard to set boundaries is because they think it's you're going from one extreme to the other right always saying yes to no like to everyone and just get everyone off the earth <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't need to be so extreme it really doesn't and so you can have that nice middle ground let's say 
we can, I'll talk about the work in a set, but let's say a social situation. Hey, you know, can we do something this evening? Or I want to, it can be like, I'm not free. I'm not available this evening, but can we do the weekend? So it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily a no, but find another solution. Let's say it's at work. Can you have a conversation about, hey, can, is it, can we actually, can I give it to you tomorrow? Can, we, can I get back to you tomorrow, you know, on Thursday? But open it out, the conversation. So you're not just saying no to someone. And it's also the way you say it as well. I think the way you say something has much more of an impact on what you say. Mm-hmm. So if it's just a very aggressive, no, I can't, then, oh, okay, wow, that's not going to be taken the best. Mm-hmm. But if you do it in a kind of way that, you know, just explains a little bit or, you know, I'm actually not available, I'll, I'll get back to you on Thursday or is it okay, would it be possible if we do this, you know, tomorrow, then it's going to be, and, and most people are very, well, from what I've seen, everyone's been very ple- um, pleasantly surprised at how this is received. They're like, oh, wow, I mm-hmm. thought it would be received negatively, but actually people take it much better than you expect. Uh, yeah, well, that is true with boundaries, right? People actually respond well to them unless you know, you always, they always say, I always see this on social media, that the only people who don't react well to boundaries are people who are you like benefit from you not having them. But it's almost, it's almost Pavlovian sometimes when you set a boundary, how people are like, oh, okay. It's you that Mm -hmm. can't set it. It's you that can't set it. Yeah, absolutely. It's in your, in your mind, you've made it like such a big thing. You've made it that, you know, the, my friendship's going to end or my boss is going to fire me or, you know, you just think of the worst scenario, but actually it's okay. And it, it's a great feeling because then, and because otherwise what you're doing is, you know, each time you say yes, yes, yes. to Other people you're saying no to yourself. So I, I like to think of it as don't just focus on saying no to the other people. Think about how you can say yes to yourself. So what I need right now is more time. What I need right now is to stay in, <laughs> you know, what I need. So how, if you can say yes to yourself, then you can, you know, communicate it so much more kind of like effortlessly and so much nicer as well. Okay. So let's talk about what your clients come to you for, what it is they want to help have help working through, you know, I'm sure it's all over the place, but is there, are there threads and commonalities you can talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So the people who come to work with me, they are professionals, they're entrepreneurs, they're people who are very ambitious, the individuals who are very ambitious, and they want to work their way up in their career. So usually they want to build their leadership skills, they want to build their communication skills, um, public speaking, I do a lot of public speaking work, you know, build their confidence to take it to their next level. So confidence is really the biggest part of what I do with people, because, you know, I'm a big believer of, you can have all the skills, the knowledge, um, you can be the hardest working person in the room, but if you don't have the confidence in yourself, you're always gonna be holding yourself back. You know, you'll, you'll shy away from opportunities, you won't put yourself forward, you'll be sabotaging your, your success. So really working on helping them to build that confidence so that the doors start to open for them. Now, what usually happens is, you know, I get an inquiry, people say, I really want help with public speaking, or I really want help with, you know, social confidence. Um, but what we do is then, you know, we have an initial call together. So we have an initial discovery call. And what we do together is, you know, I end up getting them to, to kind of take a bird's eye view of their life, right? So they kind of focus on one area. But then we do an exercise together and I, we say, well, what's your time management like? You know, what's what's your health and fitness like? You know, what's your self-talk like? And then it's kind of like, oh, wow, actually, yeah, I haven't really been focusing on my health or going to the gym like I wanted to. I haven't been managing my time. Uh, my relationships are all over the place. 
And, and this is why, you know, I'm a personal and professional development coach because the two aren't so separate. We think they are, but they're not. They're very much interlinked. And so together, what we do is, is work on creating more of a balance in their lives. Because let's say, for example, you know, you're not making much time for yourself outside of work. That's going to be having an impact on your performance at work. You know, if you're very stressed, very overwhelmed, very burnt out. So together, then what we start to look at is, okay, well, how can we help you to feel, how can we reduce your stress? And how, and by even reducing your stress, that's when you can start to feel more confident, for example. So really the areas we work on are looking at the mindset. Like what are the stories that you're telling yourself right now? And then looking at their habits. So very much looking at lifestyle practices. What can you do on a daily basis to get you feeling more confident, to get you putting yourself there at work? So these are really the areas um, that I work with with my clients. So many of us are drowning in information and platforms and just personal addiction to outwardly consuming information. Like, I think that's one of the biggest problems is we've just got this ability to look at a phone and just not have to do anything else. And then, and then be upset about the time that we've spent doing that. And you go to your phone to do so much work and good stuff. And then you get drawn in. What are, what are your, like, are you hearing this a lot from people and how do you advise people to deal with it? Yeah, absolutely. So what, one of the first things we do, so in our first session together, when I work with clients, we do what I like to call a declutter. And what that is, is really looking at, okay, well, what are the things that you're doing in your life right now that are just not serving you, that are draining your energy, that are taking up more time than you want to be, that taking up, um, that isn't very productive. I don't think we need to be productive all the time, but you know, for example, looking at your phone. Um, or scrolling mindlessly. So this is what we'll do in a, in a first session. And this so this does come up a lot. Usually that's one of the first things they say. Nearly everyone is, oh, you know what? I spend too much time on my phone. So it's having that light bulb moment. Um, and of course, I mean, I was talking to someone about this the other day and that, because he's a bit older and, you know, we were saying, you know, back in the day, you know, we had like our Walkman, we would have a book, we would have our camera, we would have, you know, our phone. we had everything, you know, different things. Now everything is just in one phone. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, sometimes I, I want to go out without my phone, but I'm like, oh, I pay on my phone. You know, my phone is my clock. You know, it's like yeah. everything is on the phone. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy. So it's very important for us to, of course, manage that and there are a few things that you can do so my biggest thing one of the life-changing things that I've done and I get everyone I work with to do this and it's changed their lives as well is when you wake up first thing in the morning I mean studies show that 80% of people when they wake up look at their phone you know they look at their phone start going through messages start scrolling on you know social media looking at the news I mean, I, I gave this up about four years ago okay. and okay. it just changes everything. Cause as soon as you do that, your mind becomes so busy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at messages. Let's say you've just got something from work or someone hasn't responded to your messages. Why haven't they replied? Or why did they say that? Oh my God, I've got it. You just don't need that stress in the morning. You don't need to look at what everyone else is doing in their life before you started your day. So already, you know, you've kind of set the tone up for the day of I'm just starting the day with my phone. I need my phone. And it's just ongoing from there. And your mind is much busier. So I'd say no phone in the morning and then no phone before you sleep. Like if you can do like at least 30, I say an hour, but I know it's not always realistic, at least 30 minutes before you sleep, like have it off Mm -hmm. and just have that time for you. Mm -hmm. 
And then notifications. You know, I personally don't have any notifications on apart from like WhatsApp, for example. Like you don't need all of that mm-hmm. constantly going off. You know, it's like you're in a conversation, you're doing something, and then your focus just goes each time you get a notification. So in the news, for example, and, and our attention is so limited nowadays, and even more so when you keep getting these notifications. So, but that way you're choosing, you're like, right, I'm going to go on this app now. I'm going to check my emails. You know, you're more conscious of it. Yeah. So that's a way, another way that you can, you know, manage that is to turn off all the notifications. Yeah. It's interesting what you say about the morning, because I can tell my day just goes downhill if I don't pay attention to that. And my brain will trick me first thing in the morning and say why I need to go look at my phone. It will invent a reason why I need to go look. And then I'll think, oh, right. Okay. That's one reason I'll just break it this one time, but my focus will be gone for the rest of the day. And I heard a psychologist talking about this because I'm older too. So I remember the Walkman and the book and I had the newspapers and I had, and those are transitions of your attention. And the psychologist was saying, we're not meant to have those fast, the transitions are like this, even watching TikTok or then you go to your email and then like we would, we, that was like, okay, now I'm going to do my email. Now I'm going to read the paper. You know, it's so crazy. We're not, our brains can handle it. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you realize just how short our attention spans are now as well because of it. Yeah. 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 And you find that, you know, our, our focus when we're doing something, our focus is, is a lot, it's a lot shorter, you know, and it's just really affecting our minds. Okay. So not everyone can afford a coach, but you are available. So tell us where, first of all, tell us, um, tell us your top other tip and then tell us where we can, everyone can find you if they would like to have your services. Okay. Oh, one specific tip. <laughs> okay. Where do I start? Well, the morning was pretty good. That's a pretty good tip. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, one specific, I'd say, yeah, how you start your day has a huge impact on how the rest of your day goes. So if I have one takeaway message, it's about starting the day off well. So no phone. I personally like to sleep with it on airplane mode, or you can just sleep with it on do not disturb and turn your notifications off, for example. And then just start the day, let's say 15 minutes, give yourself 15 minutes in the morning for you, whatever that is. Some people like to meditate. Some people like to journal. Some people like to do some breathing, some yoga, exercise, whatever. If you can do more, amazing. But I understand life is very busy. So 15 minutes in the morning for you and notice how that changes your life. You know, rather than getting up in the morning, getting up, getting ready, running to work, give yourself that that time for you. It's like your sacred time. So that would be my takeaway message. Um, As well as coaching um i also uh, run events i run you know monthly workshops in abu dhabi and dubai so the one for this month uh, in may is going to be on emotional intelligence so if you're interested in this topic you really want to build on that you know find me on instagram uh, coach underscore alia and all my you know events are there i run different sessions every month so you can find all the details there and I also have a podcast called the Women Who Flourish podcast. And I, you know, I bring in guests on there. I share a lot of, you know, uh, value on the podcast. Great. Um, and of course, feel free to, to get in touch. Okay. Thank you so much, Alia. I'm going to renew my vows not to um, look at my phone in the morning. It's funny how it's just a tricky trickster, that phone. It calls your name. <laughs> I know it's so addictive. It is, but you can do it. We've got this. Everyone yeah, we've got, got this. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time.
on the Live Healthy Podcast. 